So I know we wanted to film an intro and be all fancy and get like a theme song and video and all that for our podcast. But you know what? This morning, you know, I, I've been flaring, so I've been in bed and we just started talking about exercise very casually. We're just laying together in bed right now. And um, I just turned on the voice memo recording and 20 minutes later, we had all this material that I think is going to be great for you guys to hear. Um, just talking between someone, you know, like myself that's been a suffering from lupus for 15 years. I've also been a full-time um, trainer. I've owned, I own a gym and talking about someone from the fitness side with my beautiful girlfriend, Amy, Aww. who is not a fitness person and only joined a CrossFit gym when she met me um, to give it a try. But so it's interesting to see the two different perspectives and that's kind of where we went today with it. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, if you have any questions for us, just leave it in the comments and look forward to uh, many more, hopefully future podcast episodes to come. So exercise becomes a stressor because they know they should be doing it. Well, okay. Like I know I need to get out of bed. I know I need to, I know I need to go lift weights or I know I need to get to the gym and it becomes a chore. And the guilt when you don't becomes a stressor too. Exactly. And so it's this cyclical chaos that yeah. goes on in people's heads. And they're like, yeah. well, I have to work out. And if I don't work out, I'm going to be larger than I want to, or I'm going to be unhealthy. You know, I don't want that. So I need to get to the gym. Well, today I can't get to the gym because I'm in so much pain. You know, I'm such an asshole because I can't even get out of bed and go to the gym. And yes, it, it, it has become punishment for eating poorly not you know maintaining your body whatever um it has become a punishment and i think for the chronically ill we need to view it more as medicine for us because movement for the chronically ill is medicine people need to understand that it's not like you don't have to go to the gym and you know go balls to the wall you can do simple stretches at home even things like yoga for people with chronic illness, because those are poses that help stretch and lean your body, but they're also about the integrity of the pose, holding it until you get it right. Yeah. And not pushing yourself past your limit. Just like CrossFit, how you can scale. Yes. But the intensity of CrossFit is insane. Yoga, you can scale. Yeah. You well, can you can scale the intensity of CrossFit too, but I know what you mean. Well, it started at a much higher and more intimidating factor. Correct. Like, from day one, it's Correct. much more, yeah. Yoga, though, is, and I'm not saying yoga is, like, the answer to everyone's problems. You know what I mean? No, no, no. It's, it's, but yoga is not just about your body. I know. That's, it's also about your mind. Okay, so that's the missing piece here. So, here's the other part of this, is, for me, I'll just be honest and, and forthright, like, I'm not good at yoga, okay? So, I'm good at brute, you know, sports and moving weight and pushing and lifting heavy, right? Right. So, for me, yoga, it's not something I've ever been able to do or been good at. So, now... Not only do I not have my strength and I can't even do my the brute shit that I love and the lifting weights, I can't even hold my fucking body up in a downward dog because my fucking wrists hurt from the, you know, rheumatoid arthritis because my fucking head hurts from everything else. I'm nauseous. I feel like I'm going to throw up when I go into a downward dog. So like for me, yoga becomes more of like, oh, it's more shit that I can't do. And like, right. but that's me, but that's because I have a pre-existing expectation of what the athlete used what to be able to do. I think also you need to understand that you, you did yoga without assuming that you needed to scale it. You were like, I can do this. Uh, I can do this. Hello. Yoga. I mean, I'm a CrossFitter. This is what I do. I lift how, 150 pounds over my head. How hard can it be? Right. How hard can yoga be? 
But realistically, I got my ass handed to me. Yeah, beginner like yes. yoga one on one. My ass was no joke. handed to me. Yes, yoga is no joke. The first yoga class I ever took. Did I tell you about this? No. I went with Lydia. She. It was an intermediate hot yoga class. Oh Jesus! And I was like, oh, this is no big deal. It's just stretching. You know, everything's fine. And we did hip openers. Whew. Let me tell you, I walked out of there and I was pretty sure that both my hips were dislocated. <laughs> like, like, but I went back. Yeah. Because it felt so yeah. good. Hip openers will rock your fucking world. Oh, no. 100%. But, but yeah. However, there are, there is a form of gentle yoga. Restorative yoga, they call Restorative it. Restorative yoga. I tried that and I fucking loved it, actually. And so it is... It is not, because there are some yogas that are very intense. Bikram yoga is like yeah. a very, it's oh a God, flow yeah. yoga. So like you are constantly moving, you are constantly sweating, you're moving your body, you're holding your body. But restorative yoga oh is God. actually really good for athletes too. I because know. Because it helps release the tension in your muscles. And it's something that if you can't hold the pose for however long they're holding it, you just sit down. No one's going to judge you. And that's the thing about yoga is that. You can go into a class and you can take, even in a beginner's class, if you can't do what they're doing, you sit down. There's no, there's no judgment. There's no pressure to hold it any longer because it's about your mind, body, and spirit coming together. Yeah. And not just where, how far can I push my body? Yeah. It's about respecting yourself, respecting your limitations I'm not familiar with that word. Yep. <laughs> Respecting your limitations uh-huh. and, and and honoring your body and what it can do, not what it can't do. So here's this recurring theme that keeps popping up. And <laughs> I know that you're literally turning my own words against me right now because I told 5,000 people on stage in Miami that they need to focus on meeting themselves where they are right now with exercise and what they can do and not what they used to be able to do. <laughs> So what I want to tell you guys, just as a tip, post-lupus diagnosis is meet yourself where you are right now with exercise, okay? Not what you used to be able to do. Right now, with your body right now, what are you able to do? And let's just start there. And it's okay if you guys are not able to be consistent with it. Don't ever let anyone call you lazy with lupus. You're not lazy. You're not lazy. I'm a trainer, and I can only work out some weeks, once a week, not even that. You guys need to be a little bit easier on yourselves because I talk to a lot of you on Instagram and I know you guys beat yourselves up when you miss workouts because everyone's telling us, don't never miss a Monday. You know what? You're flaring. I want you to miss a Monday. I know you literally just did that on purpose because this is probably going to be our first session of our podcast and you're fucking already turning it on me. So here's what we're going to do. <laughs> I'm going to admit you are right. Ooh. You are right. Ooh. You are right. And that my like bitterness towards yoga is because I tried to go boss the wall and I tried to be a fucking master yogi day one. When I did a couple restorative yoga classes at a yoga studio last year, like right after I started chemo, it was fucking heaven. Mm -hmm. The music, the lighting, the teacher's voice, like she was using essential oils, like holy shit. It was amazing. I felt incredible. And you're right. I couldn't do a lot of things, but it was okay. No one even looked at me. I was in the back. I had my little pillows. I had my little personal practice. Yes. So that was fantastic. Now here's the thing. Okay. Yes, it was expensive. So it got to a point where I couldn't afford it anymore. And then also me having to physically drive 20 minutes to get there was also a problem. Um, so to me, I was like, okay, you know what I, but now that I know that I love it, 
I can just get one of those little, you know, they have all these like yoga things at home and these little videos. I was like, now that I love it, I know that I love it. I can just, you know, do it at home, blah, blah, blah. So I got the yoga mats and the whole thing and the pillows and the fucking, I even got the little blanket. Ask me how many times I've done yoga by myself at home. None. Not one. The props are really pretty though. I have them. They're still in the, in like the packages in my, in my living room. I'm not shocked. Really pretty. I'm not shocked. Um, not once. So here we because, are. Because, because just like gym atmosphere, you have a yoga atmosphere. So it's really important with personal practice. If you have the ability to section off a room or a place in your house, in your house, okay, that is quiet comfortable you're way more likely to i think you're way more likely to stick with it to stick with it and to like want to go in there correct you know i agree with that babe i think that um i think that having a a room that's like fully zen and that there's nothing in there that reminds you of like the stressors of your life or even like you know no like calendars where you're like oh i got all this shit to do you walk in there and it's like you can clear your mind and there's just all very like happy you know Whatever. Maybe some people want pictures or motivational quotes or whatever posters on the wall. Maybe some people just want it blank. Right. It's, I mean, that's the thing. It's all personal practice. Yeah. So it's whatever that person finds comforting and finds peaceful. And when it comes down to it, if you can get into that room, even for 10 minutes a day. Yeah. And do, you know, some stretching. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about like, you know, let's talk about you and Oh, that's the other podcast we were working on. I remember, maybe we're not supposed to tell them about the, that one yet. All right. <laughs> I, got, I got excited. Okay, so brain fog moment of the week. This was the lupus wifey's idea. Brilliant idea. I love it. It's going to be a segment every episode. So we're going to start off and do like my brain fog moment of the week, right? Top yeah. my brain. Okay. But then after that, the first episode, we want you guys to submit your brain fog moment of the week. And we're going to pick like the best ones and we'll read the funniest ones on air. We'll make sure we'll tag you guys and um, give you credit. But that's going to be our segment. All right. So you can submit it um, down below. We'll also have an email address that you'll be able to submit your uh, brain fog moments of the week to. How do you even decide how to pull a brain fog of the week moment when I seriously have like 12 really good ones but every that's, day? That's the good thing. Is that... We'll never run out of. <laughs> we'll never run out of things to talk about. Okay, that's true. Um, didn't I do something like really, really, really funny the other day? I can't remember, but it was really dumb and it was like inexcusable, even with brain fog. It, there's been so many things I can't even like. Well, we can certainly talk about that time that you called me Ashley on the way to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in my. In my defense, I've never dated an Ashley, okay, viewers, before you fucking take sides and call me an asshole, I've never in my life dated an Ashley, not even casually, never even slept with anyone named Ashley, First time, or kissed anyone named Ashley. First time I ever met your mother, and you call me a different woman's name. (laughs) I was nervous, babe. It was a high-stress situation. You also weren't feeling well. Right. I was driving the truck. Your mom was tucked in the back seat. Did brain fog save me from... I would say that I definitely uh, probably gave you a pass. Thank you. Because I knew you weren't feeling well. And Thank I you. know that your brain fog tends to get worse when you're not feeling well. Thank you. So I definitely didn't get upset. 
No, you didn't. You handled it great. But um, I really, there isn't someone named Ashley, like, period. But like, I definitely am not Ashley. <laughs> like, my name is definitely Amy. It's, start, it's the A and the Y. What happens in the middle is just, I mean, it's details, you know? What happens in the middle is the best part. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Oreos. <laughs> it's not Oreos. <laughs> I know. I know. We're on a fucking podcast, babe. We can't be slept like normal. We can't talk like we normally do. Why not? I mean, I guess we could. It is uncensored. We did warn them. Yeah. It is explicit. It's not. Oh, God. Not child friendly. Oh, we're going to have some viewers then. <laughs> so let's talk about New Year's resolutions and, you know, how everyone's like super motivated, super ready to go. First week in January. All the gyms are having sales. Like, it, there's so much pressure on everyone to start like new year, new me. There's just so much pressure. And I think for people that are chronically ill, like we barely made it through the holidays. I mean, 70% of my Instagram poll, people said that have lupus or chronic illness, that they were flaring through the holidays, 70%. Okay. So we barely, Tinkaroni, we barely, Tink says hi to all our podcast guests. Uh, we barely made it through the holidays, okay? Like, I can't even imagine going into a gym right now, a, a super busy gym, trying to start something new, trying to start a new diet. Like, well, whoa. I think what it breaks down to is is that you need to be setting realistic goals and not overwhelming yourself. You know, someone who has chronic illness um, that can be unpredictable as far as the day-to-day, sometimes a gym membership is stressful mm-hmm. because you're like, I'm spending all this money. And I'm maybe able to go once, maybe twice a week. And when I'm there, I can barely do anything. And so that becomes a cycle of stress and mm. guilt and frustration because they're not getting there as much as they want. They're not to. getting their money's worth. They're, they're wasting money. And so I think if you start, you know, at home and, you know, you give yourself some freedom as far as what you want to do, you know, yeah, 10 minutes a day isn't going to you know, get you lean and mean in a month, but it's going to get your body conditioned enough to start feeling at least a little better. Yeah. So that it can maybe continue training. 10 Mm -hmm. minutes a day is not a lot. 10 minutes a day of stretching and mindfulness and, you know, peaceful you know, practice is fantastic. And I'm not saying everyone has to do yoga because yoga is not for everybody. Um, but even just being able to stretch you're right, and, you know, get the joints moving, get the body moving, get the heart rate up a little bit, you know, that is a realistic goal, I feel like. You're right. A lot of lay people who are not used to the gym, like myself, mm-hmm. who, you know, go to the gym and they're like, what the hell do I do? Do I just like walk on the damn treadmill? Yeah. You know, go lift weights. How do I lift weights? I don't know how to do that. You know what I mean? And so, but a lot of people think that you have to spend a lot of time at the gym to see results. Yeah. And that's not the case. Yeah. And to be able to just set aside 10 minutes and even on, even on the worst day for someone who is chronically ill, okay, they can't do 10 minutes. That's not a reason to frustrate themselves. You know, okay, I can, let me get out of bed even and just lift my arms above my head. That should be a success because I've seen the flares. It's going to come down to how many spoons they have for those 10 minutes. Like, is it going to be, you know, just the stretching, which most days it is, if that, even if that, you know, it might just be getting out of bed and like standing up and reaching your arms up and then touching your toes and then getting back into bed, literally. And that's, but that's fine. Yeah. That's your success for the day because ultimately, is that something you would have done 
in a, on a flare day on any other day. No. So right. that's your goal. Your goal is to get yourself to do even one thing that you maybe wouldn't have done on a flare day. Like, yeah. And the 10 minutes doesn't, like, realistically, the 10 minutes doesn't have to be consecutive. Yeah. And you, can I tell you why we struggle with, with just that concept, babe? Because I, you're 100% right. It should be baby steps. It should be progressive. It should be, you know, take it one little step at a time and, and progress, not perfection, right? Because we are so pressured right now to go balls to the wall. Everyone's so motivated. All the gyms are giving us incentives to sign up for the year. Like we are so pressured and motivated. And you know what? I'm part of the problem. I'll, I am. I've, I'm a trainer. I push people to get their asses back in the gym in January. I'm yelling at people to, you know, pick it up and go harder. And like, yeah, I'm part of the problem. I feel it, but I feel it too. I feel the pressure too. I wanted to get in there and go balls to the wall. And so you telling me just do one thing the first week in January, that's different than December. Like I feel like a slacker. And so that I think is the biggest thing that we have to overcome with chronic illness is that before we know we could go into the gym in January and kick some ass and lose 10 pounds of first month and look great. And, and now we can't, we physically can't, I can't even get out of bed today. It's January 2nd. You know, I should be in the gym and I can't even get out of bed. And so I think if we can just start to be realistic with ourselves, like you said, and and just kind of, you know, accept the fact that we're not able to do what we did pre-diagnosis and meet ourselves where we are with exercise right now. But I, true. And I, and I completely agree with that, but I also think it's really important to understand that social pressure is one of the reasons that people feel that need to get into the gym and go balls to the wall and lose that 10 pounds in the first couple weeks. You know, social pressure is the reason that we have that stress about exercise because that's what everyone's saying. The gyms are saying it, our friends are saying it, our family is saying it. There's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And with people who are chronically ill or mentally ill or any type of illness really, you know, you cannot take what the vast majority of people are telling you because they're not living your life. You're right. You're living your life. That's you great know advice. What you're capable of and what you're not capable of on any given day. And I know that people with chronic illness struggle with people believing them. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem because a lot of people don't understand chronic illness. That's very true. That's great advice, actually. And so it's really important for people to understand that, okay, yes, everybody around me is telling me this is what I need to do. This is what I have to do. This is, you need to decide what you need to do and how you're going to get there. And for people with chronic illness, people with mental illness, people with any illness need to realize that they need to recognize their own limitations. Yeah. And I think also, you know, switching around the all or nothing um, mentality where we start something balls to the wall, we go hard for a week and then, you know, we binge, we lose it or whatever. We, we miss a day in the gym and then it's, it's a, becomes, it's a failure. We failed. Right. We failed again, again. Right. And that's, and that's, you know, and it's unfortunate that people feel that way because it's not a failure. Like, you know, it's, it's okay. Like that's where the mental part of this comes in is that you have to forgive yourself Mm. for not being able to, maybe get up and do the thing you wanted to do that day because of a flare or because of whatever, you know, you have to be able to say, okay, maybe I can't do what I had planned today, but here's what I am going to do. Here's what I can do. Not what I can't do. What I can do. Can you say that again for our listeners? Because you tell me that I need to forgive myself probably four times, five times a day 
for things that I get upset with myself that I can't do. And I just want you to say it again because I think it's probably going to be the most important part of this episode and the most important concept for them to grasp is the being able to forgive yourself. Yes, you have to you have to forgive yourself if your plans don't go as planned. Chronic illness is so unpredictable and people who suffer with chronic illness have no control over it. And to get upset at yourself for something that you have no control over is incredibly detrimental. Mm-hmm. And so you have to forgive yourself. If you plan to go to the gym, you know, this morning when you woke up and you woke up and it is not physically possible, you have yeah. to be able to forgive yourself. Yeah. And try again the next day. Because it's not just the the, the anger or the whatever we have that feeling, you know, towards not being able to do something. It's also the feelings that we attach to it, like guilt, you know, fear of missing out, fear like like worry that we're going to lose our friends if we don't go, you know, we don't say yes every time, worry that our family is going to, you know, the, all these things, all these feelings that we attach to not being able to do something, it just snowballs and it spirals. And, you know, like you told me one time, you said you every day that you live with lupus, you suffer trauma. Every day there's some type of trauma that happens to you every day that you suffer with this disease. And you're right. And, and we're all walking around with all this trauma inside, hiding it behind a smile, not addressing it, not talking about it. That's why we want to start a fucking podcast, babe. Like, because fuck, we got to talk. Someone's got to talk about it. Someone's got to talk about it. Well, you're yelling. <laughs> Sorry, and... guys. I'll have to turn down the volume on that part. Of the... <laughs> I'll have to edit. <laughs> But, it, but we're going to talk about it. We are going to talk about and it. And it's not going to be censored and we're going to be raw and real and honest yes. and truthful. And I think, I think it's going to help us. I think it's going to help everyone else out there and their caregivers. And, and I'm just, I'm really excited about it, babe. Thanks for loving me. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll catch you next time. <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye. If you even think about utilizing that photo on your own. Wait, what are you going to do? Show the world how big of a mush you are. 24 hours, you get exclusivity for all photos taken in this relationship. Wrong. After 24 hours, nope. it's, a free, it's a free agent photo. Nope. I wish I could see your, fa- your scary face right now. It's terrifying. That is terrible. Behind, behind take. <laughs> Literally. That's, that's the scene. <laughs> Let me tell you something. He goes into that. Like, octave. Nope. <laughs> when it goes into that fucking crescendo. No. Okay. That's I know, not I know, a that's thing. <laughs> it's octave. Octave. Does it octave? <laughs> Tree? <laughs> Octavi? Octave? <laughs> Intrigue. <laughs> Man, this is why we can't do a live podcast. <laughs> like we can't fucking keep it together. Like we can't stay focused. No. Fuck. Shit, what were we talking about? We gotta bring it back. This is why I have to edit. How do we get up on octaves? <laughs> oh, because you said it in the voice. Okay, I'm there. I'm there. We're good. We got it. <laughs>